to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here to bring you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, who do we have today? Well, let me tell you something. I'll just give you a little clue here. Get in the zone. AutoZone. <laughs> yes, we do. We've got the CEO of AutoZone with us, my good friend, Bill Rhodes, who's just an absolute powerhouse of a leader. We always talk about the importance of putting people capability first and the culture, uh, making that just the highest priority if you're running the business. Well, Bill has done both of those things and AutoZone has a track record unlike any other retailer and they are just knocking it out of the park every single year. So, you know, great podcast, lots of fun to catch up with Bill. He's a terrific person and a heck of a golfer, by the way. I didn't realize that he played golf in college, but that story about why he was hired at ENY is hilarious. So definitely go back and listen to that episode. You know, David, one thing that really stood out to me in that conversation was how much of a privilege Bill truly believes it is to be able to lead his team of auto zoners. And I know that you also have that mindset. Leadership is a privilege. And it was just so powerful to hear not only about the success that AutoZone has experienced, but the reason behind that success being he really does take pride in the fact that he has this position of leadership. Yeah, and you know, he's true red. You know, you usually say true blue, but this guy is decked out in red when we did the podcast and uh, he has his name tag on. He's just a regular guy who's smarter than a whip and is just doing great things with that company. He is, and I'm excited to dive into our questions for today. So here we go. All right, let's go. Question number one. When Bill took over as CEO, AutoZone's same-store sales growth was down 7%, and the company was underperforming, obviously, in a significant way. But Bill says it was actually fortunate for him because it allowed a new team to come together and create a plan around growth. David, for the leaders out there who might be inheriting somewhat of a mess of a company— what are the most important aspects of the business that they should focus on? Well, I think the most important thing you can do is go through the process of defining reality. What's the employee reality? What's the customer reality? What's the financial reality? And you really need to lay that out and share that with everybody and then ask everybody, okay, now that we know this, what are we going to do about it? And I've always believed that the most important thing you can do is really follow a very simple format. You know, after you understand what the customer issues are and the people issues are and what the financial reality is, sit down with your team and develop a strategy, a real clear strategy on what you want to get done. Then look at your structure and make sure you have the people capability to make that happen. Strategy is one thing, but execution is absolutely critical. And the way how you get that is to have the people capability you need to really take your business where it needs to go. And last but not least, really clearly identify what you want to do with your culture. What are the behaviors that you really want to recognize that you know will drive top performance? And that strategy, structure, culture model is a very simple model to follow, but it's one that takes you to the path of success. I love that you mentioned culture and that that's one of the pillars of this model because we'll talk about it actually in the next question. But when a company's not doing well, morale can usually follow, right? And it can be pretty low. People are bummed out. They're not excited about their work. They're not able to focus because things just aren't going well. And so I think, you know, strategy and structure, of course, are important. But 
all too often people kind of forget about the culture piece, but you've got to also put equal focus on that if you really want to succeed and serve customers well. All right, question number two. In the episode, Bill says that 80% of AutoZone sales are for failure or maintenance. People are usually going into an AutoZone store because something is broken, and usually they're not very excited about that. David, how does a leader keep their team motivated when customers are usually coming in with a serious, frustrating problem? Bill has done a great job of doing just that by really flipping the script. And he really pays his frontline people a major compliment by telling them exactly what the truth is. They are the problem solvers. And their job is to take those problems that their customers have and turn them on their ear and and help them find the right solutions so their car can be in tip-top shape and, uh, you know, they don't have that problem anymore. And and one of the great things Bill has done with his team there is they've really trained people on the importance of listening and being empathetic with their customers. And I love the fact that he even has, you know, they, they want their associates to go out in the parking lot and meet the customers as they're coming in the door. That kind of mindset is what really creates a, a positive work environment. Because when you go to work at AutoZone, you go to work and you know you're going to help people solve their problems. It's almost like you're going to, a, you're a doctor, you know? <laughs> you it's like doc- you go to the doctor, doctor you're a doctor of cards. You want to solve the problems and they get it done. I love, I think he calls it gotcha, go out to the customer's automobile as an acronym for that. And I too just love that. People who can spot a problem and go to it with the knowledge and expertise to help someone solve it are always so impressive to me. And that's essentially what every auto zoner is doing day in and day out. And don't you just love the fact that he, they have that acronym of gotcha? I love it's it. It's really simple. It's something that you're not going to forget. And it's something that really reminds you every day, you know, what you're supposed to do as a team member. Well, and you know, David, a lot of people listening to this probably aren't auto zoners and don't own auto parts shops. But the reality is you're in business because you solve a problem for your customers. So if your employees aren't sure what the problem they're solving for their customers is, I think it's a very valuable exercise to get everybody together and help everyone understand, hey, we're coming to work every day because we're making a difference in the lives of our customers by solving a problem and a pain point that they're feeling and that's keeping them from living the life they want to live. I don't care if you're a grocery store, you could be a dentist, you could be a financial advisor, everybody solves a problem. And honing in on that, And helping everybody understand that that is the essence of what they're doing each day, I feel like it's a very powerful thing. Yeah, I think it is too, Kula, because, you know, I call it the noble cause. You know, it gives the organization a noble cause, something that really gets them fired up when they go to work every day because they know they're really making a difference. You know, people don't get that fired up to just go make money. Yeah, it's a good thing. Everybody wants to make money. That's an outgrowth of what you do. But what people really want to do is they want to do good in the world. And when, and when you can have a noble cause and position your company in that light and your brand in that light, I think that's very, very powerful. All right, last question of the day. Number three, AutoZone has an international growth strategy where they plan to expand their presence in Mexico and Brazil. And they researched several other countries in Asia and in Europe before deciding where to go next. And David, I know that Yum! became a global powerhouse under your leadership. And I'm wondering, do you have a funny story or an interesting story you could share with us about that time? 
When Yum was spun off from PepsiCo in 1997, 80% of our business was in the United States and 20% was outside the United States. Uh, When I retired in 2016, we had 80% of our business outside the United States. And that was the real growth engine for our company. And and it was the ability to take our three great brands, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC, and expand around the globe. You know, when we first started, I don't know if this is a funny story or not, but it's a definitely a true story, but it, it's, it's <laughs> almost astounding in, in terms of what really happened. We were looking at where we really felt like we should invest. And the first thing we always thought about was where do we have the people capability? Where do we have the people in place that can actually grow a business? And then we say, okay, where is our brand really well received? Where do we have really good unit economics so that when we open up a store, it's successful and and profitable because the customers really like it? Well, when we looked around, we looked at China and we saw a potential huge opportunity because obviously China has a ton of people there. But our restaurant business was really doing well. We only had 100 stores, okay? Almost all of them were KFCs. We had a few Pizza Huts, okay? But the KFCs were knocking it out of the park. We could get a financial return within, you know, a couple of years. But the most important thing was in China, we had such a fantastic leadership team. We had the best people in the world in China. They were just awesome leaders. So we made the decision that we were going to invest in China. Now, we did this in 1997, and... We only had 100 restaurants. And in China today, we have 12,000 restaurants in over 1,700 cities across the country. I mean, just think about that. Now, that is absurd. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And, and people <laughs> always said to me, hey, look, you were such a visionary to go into China. Wow, man, what a big call that was. Let me tell you something. Our international business at that point in time was really not that good. But when I looked around, there were only a few places where we knew we could really grow, and China was one of them. So I just did what I think any good leader would do. So I put, you know, some fuel on the fire and said, go to it, team. And then every year, they just got bigger and bigger and kept building their people capability, kept taking the yum culture and making it better and better, and ultimately to the point where they we were able to spin them off as a independent public company, and they're traded as Yum China on the New York Stock exchange, and they pay a licensing fee to Yum for the right to basically market uh, KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell there. Now Taco Bell, I believe, is starting to take off there as well. So it's pretty exciting to see international growth when it happens. But again, the key is, I'll show you a good business when I show you a good leader. We had tremendous leadership in China, and they took that business and just made it huge. And then recruited and retained other great leaders as they got bigger and bigger. And it was so much fun going to China to see that growth. I mean, I used to go to China. I was stunned by the new hotels and the new airports and all the growth that was happening. And we were growing right along with it. It was absolutely uh, amazing and so much fun to be a part of. You went from zero restaurants in China to now 12,000 restaurants in China. That is an insane statistic. Well, not quite zero. We had 100 restaurants to start out with. Okay, but fine, th- But 100. again, they were very profitable. 
And they were doing really well. And that gave us the confidence that, you know, we could really try to make that an explosive growth market for us. And, and guess what? It absolutely became exactly that. And we ultimately positioned our company as not your ordinary restaurant company because we didn't have one brand. We had three brands and we didn't have just U.S. growth. We had tremendous growth outside the United States. Uh, right now, I believe uh, Yum has well over 50,000 restaurants and is growing so fast around the world. It's, it's amazing. I, I love cheering them on. Well, I know that they're grateful for the foundation that you laid at Yum Brands. Man, that is so Awesome. Maybe one of these days I'll go to a KFC in China and just tip my hat to you, Mr. Novak. No, don't tip my <laughs> I think you need, to t- you need to tip the hat to the Chinese team that really built the business and everybody else at Yum that helped them get it done. But it is a true testimony of what happens when you have really talented people who understand how to build a brand and satisfy customers. And that's exactly what we had in China. That's so true. And, you know, I think that's exactly what Bill Rhodes has with his auto zoners. And I believe that under his leadership, they'll also see tremendous success internationally. Well, they're definitely doing it. And, uh, you know, as I always used to say at Yum, the best is yet to come. And I'm sure at AutoZone, the best is yet to come there. Well, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission here to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. And tune in Thursday for my conversation with Junior Bridgman, a former NBA player and the co-founder of Mana Capital Partners, which is basically Coca-Cola in Canada and in a good portion of the United States. And uh, he started out flipping hamburgers at Wendy's and built a restaurant empire there. Junior is one of the greatest entrepreneurs in our country today. And you're going to learn how he gets it done. So tune in on Thursday.